Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly and welcome to The Megan Kelly Show on Election Day. Yes, the big day is finally here. We are ready. We've got it all covered for you. In addition to this show, we will be live tonight from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Triumph Channel 111. And for the first time ever, we will also be live on YouTube, youtube.com slash Megyn Kelly. What makes our show different? Well, I'll be there, so I'll be fun. Uh, the networks and cable, and I can speak from experience, well, they can be a little bit stiff. They are run by the corporate suits. Plus, hosts on other shows you find on YouTube and social media, they'll be giving their usual talking points that they've been sticking to for weeks. We will bring it to you straight. We have no agenda. We just want to get it right. We want to bring you the latest results and put it in the proper perspective. And we are going to have up to the minute analysis and reaction on the results as they come in, monitoring any breaking news that happens and bringing it right to you. Won't it be a joy to not be stuck with cable this time? Honestly, like I can't remember the last time I sat down and watched a cable news show. Um, I just feel like all the fun is happening in the digital space. At the same time, we will have fun conversations with some of the best minds in the country. Dennis Prager will be here. Barry Weiss, David Sachs, Camille Foster, Emily Jashinsky, Ryan Grimm, Larry Elder, Eric Bowling, and so many more. Jim Garrity of National Review will be with us. Tom Bevan, all these guys who've been watching the polls so closely and can put into perspective what results we're seeing so that you have accurate updates on what's happening. So we hope you join us tonight. Uh, It's going to be super fun. Okay. first, though, with hours before the election polls close, Democrats are now warning of a a red mirage, a red mirage, not a red wave. And the media begins turning on President Biden. Well, that didn't take long. (laughs) How do we know this? They've actually started. Wait for it. Fact checking him. What? (laughs) They don't do that. What? Joining me now to discuss it all. Glenn Beck, founder of The Blaze and host of the Glenn Beck program. Glenn, such a pleasure to have you on a day like this. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Megan. It's great to be here. All right. So they have started turning on Joe Biden. Already now they're doing fact checks of him. I mean, they're going to shove him out, not even slowly but surely, but pretty promptly, don't you think, after today's election results, which at the worst would be Republicans only take the House. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't think uh, uh, Joe is is going to finish his term. Uh, I just don't think that um, he has anything going for him. However, it, it, then you get Kamala 
Mm. I mean, uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, but the if get the House and the Senate impeachment hearings are coming, hearings are coming for Fauci, hearings are coming for um, uh, the DOJ. And it's needed. It's needed. Maybe they want Kamala in there for, mm. let's say, six months, like enough so they can say, oh, we didn't bypass her. You know, but it's only fair that we subject her to a primary challenge because she wasn't actually voted into this office. So, you know, I, that's an interesting thought, like because all along it's been like, what do they do with Kamala? Well, given their identity politics uh, adherence, be tough to sidestep her. Anyway, forget her for now. But doesn't I, that, get but does, I mean, it makes Fetterman make more sense, doesn't it? If, if oh. you have if you have Fetterman, it, they, they are clearly not interested in having anyone with any kind of brain power or alertness at all it, it is they just want warm bodies that will execute whatever the plan is it mm-hmm. seems well i mean that's politics in 2022 um i've been saying all along i feel like the fetterman thing i'm waiting for it to resonate with the democratic base i don't see it he didn't crater in the polls i realize oz is up a little right now and that's a good time for him to be up but you know fetterman they they love the guy in Pennsylvania. I think the Pennsylvanians are thinking he looks like me. He may not sound exactly like me, but he doesn't drink red wine at the tailgate like Dr. Oz. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I don't think that uh, I mean, I, I, I am more surprised by um, Fetterman's non-collapse than I think almost anything I've seen in politics in a long time. You watch that and he is clearly not capable of doing it. And Oz is not some crazy man that, you know, is some, uh, you know, right wing zealot of any sort. He's Dr. Frickin Oz. He's brilliant. Oz is brilliant. Yeah. And he's and he's running against a guy who cannot process. Look, I, I have a, uh, a daughter who uh, had several strokes at birth and, uh, you know, th- she is very, very bright, but she cannot process her language incoming and outgoing, just like Fetterman. And she has a really difficult time getting her point across. And it takes her a long time to understand uh, different different concepts. It, it's not a bad thing. She's still very, very bright, but I wouldn't put her in the Senate. She wouldn't be able to function in the efficient way that needs to happen. Hmm. It, it, this is insane. You know, the problem that Oz is up against in this race, because Fetterman hasn't collapsed. And I've been asking myself every day, like, why not? Right. Because Oz is brilliant. Maybe he doesn't resonate, but like he's brilliant. He's invented all sorts of cardiothoracic uh, techniques and procedures and so on. He's saved lives for a living for a long, long time. They try to make him into a snake oil salesman. He's a really well-respected cardiothoracic surgeon. Okay, this other guy's been on his parents' couch for like 25 years. Right. Um, But it reminds me of, the, um, you know, Kid Rock, right? I love Kid Rock. And at one point, Kid Rock invited me to a concert. Uh, and so Doug and I went and we went backstage with KR. And there he was drinking his scotch and having a good time with his buddies. Well, they were opening that day for Bon Jovi and John Bon Jovi came back. And while John Bon Jovi used to be a great rocker back in the 1980s with the hair and the but there he was mm-hmm. sipping. He was like sipping his little wine glass with his pinky out. 
<laughs> like, why is he doing that? Nobody wants to see that. What's that version of like the sophisticated John Bon Jovi? Everybody yeah. would rather go with Kid Rock. And the Democrats have done a good job trying to paint Oz like the John Bon Jovi with the pinky out and Fetterman like the Kid Rock with the scotch. Like he's the dude who's like you who gets football and is a real working class guy. And forgetting all that stuff that we said about education and how this sort of building of Fetterman ignores the elephant in the middle of the room. Yeah, I you know, I don't want somebody in any office that's just like me. Otherwise, I would run. Uh, I don't want somebody. I like somebody who is smarter than I am, that is doing the things I want somebody who can relate to me and I can relate to them. But. I've I don't live the Donald Trump lifestyle by any stretch of the imagination. I don't have the perfect golden faucets yet. <laughs> he can relate to people. Um, he he can see suffering. He can do all the things that someone needs to do to be able to stay connected with the um, with the public. And I'm more of the pinky guy compared to Donald Trump. I, I, why are we looking at these things? We should be looking at who is most qualified, who's done something with their life and built something. We, we, we've torn down all of our heroes, all of our statues. What do we just not? Are we just, is the bar so low now that we want a guy who we like because he wears a hoodie mm-hmm. and he can't really function? Because here's what you're going to get. You're going to get his wife replacing him. Guarantee before his term is over. Yeah, maybe sooner rather than later. And she is a radical, much more radical than he is. I will, but he's not exactly Mr. Centrist. You know, I mean, no, I know. uh, In an era in which we are focused supremely on crime, whether the Democrats want to admit it or not, their voters are focused on crime in Pennsylvania as well. Um, This is a guy who's never seen a criminal he wants to keep in jail. And his wife has spent the last few days leading up to Election Day with the defund the police crowd. Uh, All of them, like the the Priyanka Chopra, uh, part of the squad. She was out there with being photographed with the squad who still wants to defund the police. That's what you're going to get in Pennsylvania. So I don't understand this. And, uh, you know, I'm living in Texas, so thank goodness I don't have to deal with this. But, Megan, it's like in New York. Have all of the same people and it could be all of the same people moved out of New York. How can this election with the governor be so close when the governor is denying crime as a problem? How is that happening? It's because they love they love abortion. I mean, like New Yorkers, blue Democrats love abortion. They absolutely I mean, it's never going away in New York State. Lee Zeldin or Kathy Hochul. They've been voting. But wait, 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 wait. But I mean, you don't I mean, what is it? Ten percent of the population will have an abortion and. And everybody else that might have chosen life, you want your kids that were born gunned down in the street. You want crime. I I don't I just don't think that abortion 
is as as big as no, people think when you list. have it is in new mm-hmm. york for the for the true blue is democrats it? it's a big issue but in new york for that very reason we'll never endanger abortion you know it's not this is not one of those states in which it might go away but they care about it you know it's a protest vote and they have an impression in the blue democrats in this state have an impression that the republicans are against them that the democrats are the party that cares about people the republicans i think in their minds they're either chamber of commerce rich people who don't give a crap about the working class yeah. or they're trump hardcore maga folks who are in their view racist deplorables that's how the democrat party in this state thinks and they will vote for something that is clearly dysfunctional will rob them of their money through um inflation and and put their children at danger in uh, uh, in schools and on top of it, just let criminals out. I, I mean, where is the self-interest at all that should kick in at some point? Well, you know, Glenn, those people like and I and I actually think there's a very good chance today that New York will vote Zeldin. I really think he's got a great shot. He could win. I, you I know, think so, too. In fact, if I had to predict, I think I'd say it. It's going to be Zeldin. Um, And I realize that's, you know, that could be madness, given the very latest poll showing her up significantly again. But I think that there's that core group of Democrats. You know how you got the core 30 percent of their GOP that's hardcore Trump. You got a core 30 percent of the Democrats who love masks, love mandatory vaccines, Mm -hmm. wear their masks still in the cars when driving by themselves, Mm -hmm. Um, judge everybody else, are very pro-cancel culture, are woke. Right now in New York City, there's an initiative to write in all these DEI uh, measures. It's it's on the ballot for New York City uh, residents today into into the city government where we're going to have to distinguish between people's race and assist accordingly based on their housing applications. So what does that mean? Like, Blacks are going to get help help with housing, but poor whites won't like that's New York City. So those people are not going to vote for Lee Zeldin. He's got to get a high enough margin in New York City to put him over the edge. They're just that's where all the votes are. I got I got to tell you, um, in New York City, New York City can do whatever New York City wants. We (laughs) have a republic and, you know, each state can do whatever it wants. Just don't suck me down into it. And that's my problem with like Pennsylvania. You're Mm -hmm. you're sucking the rest of us into your nightmare. Um, You know, this isn't the way the founders wanted it. It was the progressives that changed the Senate and how it was selected. So it became a national um, uh, election. And you now affect me in New York City, whatever, New York um, as the governor, again, whatever. But when it comes to um, the rest of us, it really bothers me that we have to pay for the mistakes of New York and and uh, California because we're getting to a place to where you either believe in the Bill of Rights or you don't. And we could argue about tax policy and the role of the government in helping people and war and all that stuff. We can argue about that and we could be OK. But unless you believe in the Bill of Rights, I, I don't know how to I, I don't I don't I can't compromise anymore. They're there not, is no they, compromise. They frame it very differently. Their whole framing is no, it's about whether you believe in democracy. Democracy itself is on the ballot. 
Yeah. Well, I believe in democracy. That's not what we have. We have a republic and we have it for a reason because democracy always leads to slavery and tyrants. Um, so it, good. I'm glad democracy is on the ropes. Uh, you know, we didn't have it. Uh, but to me, they know that difference. And that's why they're saying they are they are afraid that their idea of democracy, which is much more totalitarian than anything else, um, is on the ropes. No, I, I don't want that. I want a republic. I want 50 little laboratories in every state doing different things. And then if it works in that state, let's try it in another state. And if it works there, too, let's try it as a country. That's the way we're supposed to be, not all lockstep and goose stepping to some somebody else's dream. It's our dream. What do you think is going to happen tonight, Glenn? What do you think? Like, what are your predictions? I know, you know, it's not exactly our business, but, you know, just back of the hand. What do you think? Uh, so here's what I here's what I predicted on radio today uh, in the Senate. Um, Republicans, 61, 30. Uh, 37 for the Democrats, which, you know, uh, that's because, uh, well, the, the Utah just puts in or just does a write in. We got to kick Mitt Romney out. But I don't think that that's going to happen. I think it's 53, hopefully 54, uh, 49 Democrats mm -hmm. in the Senate. Mm -hmm. They're going to clearly oh. win the House. Um, what do you put in that 53? How do you see that adding up? Uh, I think, uh, masters, I don't have my list in front of me. I think masters, masters wins, in Arizona, right? uh, I think Herschel Walker wins. Uh, I think Wisconsin goes to us. Um, I think there's a, I, yes, Nevada. And I think there's even a chance that, uh, I mean, it's a small chance, but there's a chance that we get Washington. State. What about New Hampshire? There's a chance New Hampshire. Goes uh, I right. think New Hampshire is going to go uh, with uh, with us too. Bulldog is. I I think he's going to win. Mm, I feel like he's going to win too. I kind of feel like that's yeah. a dark horse race. But so and, Megan, and, and real clear politics just moved New Hampshire out of its I think projected uh, red wins. They moved it back, leans blue. But I just feel like he's got momentum going into this last day. So let me ask you. In, if it was any other election except for the last two, wouldn't you be saying it's going to be a blowout yeah, for like the Republicans? That. OK, yes, I, it, there would be no other time in American history that I would say this. It, th I mean, they're just going to sweep everything. It's going to be a bloodbath uh, tonight for the Democrats. But I can't say that now. Because I think there are so many people that are locked into their vote, kind of on both sides, locked into their vote. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, that that he had a stroke and he cannot function. Well, not just that, that should Glenn. matter. Think about how the parties are splitting now, right, with the working class migrating more and more to the Republican Party, yeah. and the elite college educated voters migrating more and more to the Democrat Party. It explains why they won't move in their votes. These elite college educated people. First of all, they're getting all their student loans paid off by the bus drivers yeah. and the truck drivers. Right. So great. So for them. angry. Second of all, they don't even need that money because they're already earning good money. So they don't really yeah. give a shit about the inflationary numbers or about the gas prices 
choices. It barely touches them. It's really not their problem. They do care about abortion, about BLM, about things that make them feel like better human beings, even though most black voters and Hispanic voters are, have already called that organization a fraud and recognize that defunding the police hurts their communities way more than it helps them. Right. So right. these college educated elites are looking at all of this like the inflation. They don't care about inflation. They're, this is not going to be a mover or shaker for them when it comes to their vote. Illegal immigration, that doesn't affect them. Crime, they're in gated communities. They don't need to worry about it. So if you think about how they live, it makes perfect sense that none of this stuff bothers them. But there's enough people that don't live like that that should be uh, switching over. I mean, when when you can just get people to vote lockstep onto insane things, truly insane things, things that you know, Megan, if we would have talked 10 years ago and I said, Joe, this is going to lead to people normalizing pedophilia, which I think I did say um, <laughs> everyone would say that's crazy. Everyone on the left would say that's crazy there. It's nothing to do with pedophilia. We all know that pedophilia is wrong. And yet here we are. And I'm still saying pedophilia is wrong. But half the country with no new information is suddenly like, well, let's rethink that. Mm. What? Let's talk, let's talk about crime because this has been such a motivating issue in state after state. It's really what helped turn Oz's fortunes around in Pennsylvania. Fetterman had been crushing him even post stroke. But then he and Team Red got on the air with tons of ads pointing out how Fetterman loves to let criminals out of jail and is is anti cop. Um, so that's helped Oz. Uh, same thing happened for Ron Johnson in Wisconsin. He kept getting on the air now against Mandela Barnes, who is pro defund the police, pro no cash bail, um, you know, a big on the, the Black Lives Matter rhetoric from that organization. In any event, so things are changing the voting in those states. In New York, Zeldin has done this with Hochul. He's been on the air. He's been at the debate. And she actually looked at him and said, I don't know why you care about this so much. <laughs> OK, um, that's crazy. Crazy. And now, in the final moments, the media allies start to come out and say, eh, crime's not that bad. They're parroting her. This is really just a Republican scare tactic. This is a small website, but I want to give you one example. OK, now it's a media website that a lot of us go to. It's called Mediaite. And they posted a piece yesterday with our old pals at Fox News outside. Brit Hume was one of them. Uh, I think it was the show Outnumbered or Harris Faulkner's show in any event. No, it was Outnumbered. And the headline of the piece was as follows. Fox News hosts cast New York as crime ridden and chaotic while sitting outside on a perfectly pleasant day in the city. <laughs> Megan, <laughs> I worked at Fox. You worked at Fox. Do you remember the security details that were outside when yes. you were outside? And that was not in that was not in a time where New York was falling apart. It's, it's so they're trying to cast this as the as Fox News is mostly peaceful protests moment. Right. Like we saw with CNN yeah. while the fires yeah. were burning behind the guy. Here's a little bit of the discussion that was being had on the air. You were here in the 1970s, and you say New York feels like that now. It's very random and very chaotic here. Yeah, the streets are chaotic. I see dirt and, and trash in the, in the, on, the, on the sidewalks and, 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 uh, and the noise and the smell. The smell of marijuana is everywhere. Oh, I know. It's, it's pervasive. This, it does remind me of the, of the mess that was here in the 70s, the way it is now. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So now here's the fact check. Okay, by this reporter says, um, okay. Uh, as they spoke, New Yorkers could be seen in the background freely going about their day as if anything <laughs> short of cowering, cowering under a manhole ah, <laughs> belies the crime stats. <laughs> then then the, the reporter goes on to say um, the 1970s were a notoriously crimey time in the city's history. But then goes on to say, um, uh, let's see. Both though crime has increased in New York City over the past few years, both property and violent crime rates are down drastically compared to previous decades. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just FYI, you're missing wow, a big they are part just, of the story. Right? They're reaching. So yeah. Here's a, here's the stats. Okay. Um, Crime was terrible in the 90s and the 70s. In 1990, the city saw the most reported homicides on record. 2000. 245. Then something happened as of around 1993, mm. starting between 93 and 98. Crime fell almost 70 percent, 69 percent. What happened, what Megan? It, I, I, what I, don't was have, it searching. I don't have any idea. I don't. I, does it <laughs> rhyme with Wuliani? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is I, broken windows, I and more policing, believe. more incarceration. It's like it's just the whole thing is crazy. Correct. It, okay, Correct. Feel free to ignore all the people being shoved in front of the subway and being raped while right. they're jogging in Central Park. How absurd and idiotic! I, and you know, it's 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 incredible to me. That so many people will just swallow that. Uh, is there no critical thinking in any? I mean, I understood it when I was saying, you know, hey, inflation is coming and it's going to be really bad. And it's, uh, you know, probably going to lead to, uh, you know, a collapse of the economy eventually. I understand it because that was my opinion and my projection. This isn't opinion. They're no. raping people. They're killing people in the subway. Yeah. Crime is is out of control i i mean uh, how do you deny these things i i feel like i i just want to walk up to people who who de are denying these to say what what information do you have that i don't have mm -hmm. because i'll be with you if you have some information but none of the information none of the excuses make any sense whatsoever and it it, it is it's going to get worse and worse i mean as a recovering alcoholic, I know that at some point you feel so much pain, you say, OK, OK, I surrender. I surrender. Everything I try to do just makes it worse. I surrender and I will accept whatever the truth is, because I know what I'm living is a total lie. Where is your bottom, Pennsylvania? Where is your bottom, New York? Where is your bottom, uh, Washington, D.C., Portland? Where's mm -hmm. your bottom, Los mm -hmm. Angeles? This is insanity. You strike me as the kind of alcoholic that will just keep holding on until you die. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's not go there if we don't have to. Is there nothing that can break through? Is there nothing that they can do that you can you will stop and say, OK, you know what? This is too far. Is yeah. there nothing? Well, I mean, there's the case in Buffalo of this young woman who is brutally murdered by her ex days after he was released from prison, only charged right. with misdemeanors after he beat 
the hell out of her. I know. Okay, this happened in October in New York State out of Buffalo. And this is the same, okay, the same state that this website is like, look how beautiful it is. Everything seems fine. And Kathy Hochul is saying, I don't know what you're so upset about. This is a you, this is a Republican manipulation, this crime story. But this is just one example, in addition to the ones I cited just a second ago. In Buffalo, 30-year-old woman, Kira Benefield, dead. She was killed by her estranged husband, Adam. He crashed into her. So let me just st- step back, okay? She had posted a horrendous eight-minute video to Facebook showing him uh, punching her, kicking her, slapping her relent- relentlessly. He got arrested a week after that in late September and charged with only a string of misdemeanors. That prevented the judge from setting bail. All right. This is we've seen this over and over. They intentionally charge these crimes lower so that the defendant doesn't have to be held on bail, which they're the liberal bleeding hearts are against. This judge didn't set bail. The guy was released. And the next day, by the way, his ex-wife now knows he's gotten released after he beat the living hell out of her. She's so scared. She she got herself a bulletproof vest. She's wearing a bulletproof vest as she drops off her three children at school. She was begging police for help. He showed up, crashed into her car, pulled out a shotgun and killed her. There was zero chance of her vest or the system doing anything to save her life. That's the problem. Mediaite. That's the problem, Kathy Hochul. That's what's got New Yorkers and people in Pennsylvania and Washington State and beyond so upset. We have forgotten the purpose of government. What, Megan, why is our government established? Our government is established uh, to protect those rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We establish our government to protect those rights. The government is failing on its primary job. They are violating rights by sending in DOJ to scare people. There are three states, three states that I know of today. I just talked to uh, the um, AG of Missouri, and he told me he thought there were 23 states on the list, but We're not sure where the DOJ is going into these red states and they are actually posting people in the polling centers. Um, I don't know why the states don't know why they're asking what 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 exactly are you looking for? Florida has said you're. Yeah. Florida has said you're not coming in. Well, all you need is a blue jacket that says DOJ, just like if you would have sent the local sheriff in. Uh, And on a on a voting day and Martin Luther King is coming in. All you need was the local sheriff to have their deputy there to spook people. This is all that is happening. They are violating right after right after right. The government has got to lose its grip and power. And if the if the Republicans go in and they don't pass a budget so it goes into appropriations where they can actually claw this money back and say, oh, guess what? Guess who's not getting a budget? If they don't do everything to take the power back that Congress has let slip through their fingers, uh, I mean, they're done. They're done as a party because this has gone too far. It's madness. It's madness. This is it. 
this is the day that the electorate has its chance. Whether you ignored the pollsters, whether you ignored the pundits, uh, it's between you and your God in that in that ballot box. And yeah. uh, what you do is up to you and your conscience. More with Glenn back after this very quick break. Don't go away. The University of Austin is a new university dedicated to the fearless pursuit of truth. At UATX, a culture of free, open inquiry and civil discourse helps us break through barriers instead of walking on eggshells. Students will feel at home in our downtown Austin campus. With guidance from world-class professors, they'll grapple with history's most important ideas. They'll learn through dialogue, without fear of censorship, while forming friendships that last a lifetime. They'll have unparalleled access to mentors in business, science, politics, and the arts, and develop careers alongside Austin's leading entrepreneurs, builders, and founders. What's more, all students in the founding class will receive full tuition scholarships for all four years. Admissions are rolling for fall 2024. Apply to the University of Austin now at uaustin.org. Pure Talk is once again investing in their customers without charging an extra penny because Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right, as you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in over 50 countries as well. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than the half of what Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile will charge you. If you bring your phone, PureTalk's eSIM technology will make switching so simple. Or you can get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Consider making the switch to PureTalk. Just go to puretalk.com kelly to start saving today. And when you do, you will save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, visit puretalk.com kelly to start saving on wireless at home and abroad. Glenn, so before we move on, um, I just want to make one point on we talked about voters and what they care about and what what yeah. black voters care about, and what brown voters care about. And the, there's a Pew st- statistic that uh, was released. While 82 percent of black Democratic voters say violent crime is very important to their vote this year, only one third of white Democratic voters say the same. So these Democrats think they're pandering to the black vote um, by saying crime is a mirage. And it's exactly the opposite. They care Mm -hmm. deeply. Their communities are being highly affected by this. But the Democrats, honestly, are so racist in their messaging that it's like they look at these black communities like, look, we're we're getting black people out of jail. You should be happy with us. Like black people are just your criminals. And so you should be happy Mm -hmm. as opposed to you, like anybody, have been victims of a lot of these criminals. It's crazy the way they get away with that racist messaging. And that brings me to President Biden. Okay, let me just give you this. I'll give you the floor. President Biden goes to speak to a historically black college university um, Mm -hmm. and decides to, you know, try to reach out to these students to try to bond and make them feel like he gets them. Listen to what he said. Dollars I put in the budget for HBCUs. You know why? HBCUs don't have the endowments other have, but guess what? You're just as smart, you're just as bright, you're just as good as any college in America. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Glenn, 
Can you believe he that? Lives Can you in, believe he gets away yeah, with that? Yeah, he lives in like 1956. Yes. I mean, I, 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 I really think a lot of these people, look, I, I don't think they've ever moved on from the 1960s. Many of these old, old, old people that were in Congress back then, um, you know, he gets in what, 1970, 71. He doesn't think that he thinks we're the same country. I really believe that. And he still thinks the way he did when he was younger. This is this is madness. Let me say that the I'm convinced and I don't have the information to um, to prove this yet, but uh, it's one of the things I want to do. I, 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 I am going to look into this and probably write a book about it if it's right, if it's correct theory. But I think that there's no way that Johnson uh, could have uh, been the guy in 1959 to stop the Civil Rights Act when the Republicans were doing it and then be the champion. And his people, he was racist till the day he died, that Mm -hmm. he champions this. I think the Great Society did more damage, and I think it was intentional, and I still think that the Democrats are moving on that same racist style policy. It destroys their families. It destroys their children. It destroys their neighborhoods. And I think the um, the black community is waking up. It's just taking uh, a, a lot of time. Hispanics are waking up. They're starting to see this. Everything that these guys said they were they were going to help us with or, you know, empower us. They're not empowering us. They're cutting our legs off of each of us. Mm. It's so demeaning. I think about so demeaning. Picture like Glenn Lowry, right? Picture Coleman Hughes sitting there. You, you're just as smart. You're just as. Oh, my God. Oh, Stop it. and look at, you know, who's the, the worst at this on talking down to people is Kamala. Yeah, I can't take her. She sounds like she's she. Everybody in her audience is four years old. Mm-hmm. We all love school buses. Don't we remember when we rode on a school bus? <laughs> I can't take the way they just look down their nose at everyone. Yes, it reminds me of I've, I'm having a problem, which I'll reveal later. It's not a medical problem, but I'm having a problem in confronting a doctor I have because this doctor mm. is when I see him, he says, well, if you're a good girl, blah, 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 blah. Well, I know you're a good girl. And I'm it's making my skin crawl. So I talked to Doug. How old is he? He's like 40s, I think. I'm in 40s. So I I talked to Doug about it. Like, Doug, what should I do? I I, it's pissing me off. And he's like, my dog. Why did you just say to him? Well, uh, doctor, this is why I'm not a girl. I don't know. I wrestled with it in the moment. I it just was like, I didn't know. It's really been on my nerves. And Doug gave me a great line, which I am gonna use. It's just like so perfect, which is you're gonna have to find a different way to talk to me. <laughs> I love <laughs> that's a great thing to say. And I these would say people and at the if HBCU, you're a good boy, you'll get a lollipop. <laughs> I'll pay my bill <laughs> if you be a good boy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you I've should been bring looking a lollipop at the people in the audience and say <laughs> You should bring a lollipop with you and just give it to him. If he says that to you again, just open up your bag and take a lollipop. And if you're a good boy, I'm going to give you one of these. But good boys don't call adult ladies little girls. girls. Don't talk to girls like this. They don't want the lollipop. 
<laughs> I believe I speak on behalf of all of his female clientele. It's, it's those yeah. moments that I wish I had served in the armed forces so I could be like, yo, I'm a U.S. Marine. Take a seat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you have that <laughs> reputation, though. You're oh, okay. a verbal well, maybe I'll Marine. Send him some, I'll send him some YouTube clips. Uh, OK, yeah, so yeah. speaking speaking of being misunderstood by somebody, can we talk about The New York Times? My God, The New York Times, you and I as I understand oh. it, listed as purveyors of misinformation. A misinformation, yeah. But by the way, first yeah. of all, they list me as a Republican in their uh, little thing. How do they know? Did they look into it at all? Because I'm not. I'm better registered and I've independent always, for I've always going on 20 been years. A yeah, I've been a registered independent since about Clinton. Okay, so how about them, purveyors of misinformation, just to yeah. start? And the crime that we committed was we, in, in my case, questioned... I want to get it right. I want to get it right. Because first they say I was part of a Republican group that fed a misinformation loop about the Paul Pelosi attack. Then under mm -hmm. my picture, it says raised doubts that all facts were being disclosed. <gasps> no, <gasps> the horror. Then you No, you never did that with doubts. any other case. Did you? You've never, never done that. You raised doubts. Raised doubts about the details of the attack. Purveyor of misinformation. Disgusting. Can you believe so these guys? I, I'm I am the same way. And I have some I mean, I got on the when I first heard it, the first thing I said was, if this is a Republican, Democrat, independent, a psycho or a political psycho on any side, he needs to be found and arrested and pay the full penalty. Yeah. So that's all that should be said. Now, when it comes to the facts. Yeah, I've got a few questions. First of all, you said he was in his underpants. Then you said he wasn't in his underpants. I don't really care. I just would like to know it. I mean, once you would see these guys in their underpants, I don't think you could unsee it. So what happened one there? Paper, one, one, one paper uh, printed that and then corrected it. Correct. Fine. So and that was corrected almost right away. Fine. But the other question that I have that I think is more important is. Who opened the door in the affidavit? It says uh, the door was opened and then they saw these two. Then NBC runs and, you know, NBC, they don't like to get things wrong. This was for the Today Show. Mm -hmm. So the producers were all over this. And it said that Paul opened the door and then went back and didn't stay with the police or say he was in danger. Did not rush and, and, to the police, but turned around and went back toward the attacker in their report that's now been, quote, expired. Right. So, I, I mean, I think this is my take on this. This guy is a lunatic, a lunatic. He the was attacker. a lunatic was he, when he was on the left. He's a lunatic when he's supposedly on the right. He's a lunatic. That's why he did this, period. But there are some things like, for instance, um, I've never heard of this. And this is what I wanted to ask you about the Paul Pelosi thing. The um, the Epic Times asked for a mugshot of the perpetrator and the San Francisco police said, we don't own the copyright what? to that. Yeah, I've never. What? You never you don't own the who does own the copyright of right. Your police lineup photos. <laughs> I don't know the answer. <laughs> Dorothea Lang, is she taking all of your photos? Andy I mean, Leibovitz is back there. <laughs> what is that all about? It's just the little things that bother me.
Yes. And I'd never <laughs> heard too. of that. Had you ever heard no. of that? No, I have never heard of that. That's that's a new one to me. The San Francisco police have behaved in a way that's raised a lot of questions for me, which is what I am guilty of doing, apparently, just raising questions about their story, which has been inconsistent and incomplete. uh, And I would like more facts, which is the natural response of any honest journalist. All you have to do is release the videotape. See, here's the problem. There may not be anything wrong with this story. Okay. May not be anything wrong with this story, but because people feel things are being hidden and you're not allowed to question, yes, that's when conspiracies start. start. And yeah. it's natural. And when I was on the air talking about this story, I've been on the air saying it's most likely what was stated. However, there's these things that bother me. So let's watch. What happens? You know, let's wait for the the uh, the the chest camera off of the police officer. It's not going to come out right away. It'd be a couple of weeks, maybe, but it'll come out. But if it doesn't come out, that makes me wonder why. It makes you miss Florida's sunshine laws where you get everything in oh. states that don't have that, it, you know, when, especially when you're used to getting it. But San Francisco has got a unique problem because they put out information that they then changed. And so their obligation to be full and transparent about why things are changing is greater. Once you've misled us, then you really need to come out and say, this is how I got it wrong. Why did you say there was a third person who opened the door why, right. and then changed it to Paul Pelosi? Like, why wouldn't you submit? Right. Why don't we get to see the body cam? Like what what is the reason for especially now that we know Paul Pelosi, the victim, was not in underwear or anything like that, as that one erroneous report suggested? Why is it bad to to show us the videotape of the crime so that we can see exactly what this man did? I mean, you would think that it would make things worse. But again, it's like January 6th. I think those guys who were kicking down the doors, breaking windows, you know, saying, where's Pelosi? I want all those people to go to jail. That's fine. They should pay the appropriate price, whatever the law is. They should pay that. But show me the rest of the videotape. Why won't you release the rest of the videotape? There Mm -hmm. may be no reason whatsoever. I really think this is what happened. I was not a birther. Um, You know, I I believe that Barack Obama was born in Hawaii. Um, (laughs) So I was never a birther. But I used to say, guys. If I'm Barack Obama and I want you to look crazy, I'm not releasing my birth certificate because you'll just keep going down this trail because everybody would say if there was nothing to hide, why wouldn't he release it? Because I, I, I'm enjoying you guys looking like idiots. Mm. That's why it helps mm-hmm. me that you look like an idiot. And that may just be the only reason they need and want conspiracies but, but at the but same the time question, they're giving us when, all the conspiracies since when does the new york times trust the cops since when uh never so you know please give me a break right like their reportorial instincts have always been to question the police's story especially when there might be a whiff that the police have blown it except in this case because they're worried somehow that's going to appease people on the right who questioned the Paul Pelosi attack whether whether it does or it doesn't is beyond the point you as a news organization should be more curious and let me give you this one Glenn Nancy Pelosi gave an interview 
uh, to Anderson Cooper about her husband, Paul Pelosi, and the attack on him. And my heart goes out to Nancy Pelosi. I I felt for her when she talked about how she felt guilty because the attack was meant for her and Mm -hmm. her husband, you know, took the brunt of it, took the entire thing. I mean, sure, that would be horrible, horrible for any loving spouse. Um, But then she, too, tied it to Jan 6. Here it is. President Biden drew a line between what happened on January 6th and and the attack on your husband. The president said, I quote, the assailant entered the home asking, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Those were the very same words used by the mob when they stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th. Do you draw that same line? Absolutely. There's no question. It's the same same thing. And uh, copycat or whatever it happens to be inflamed by the same misrepresentation. But the fact is, right now, it's time for healing. We want the country to heal. This is not a path that we can continue on. Hmm. Terrifying. Really? This is ter- this is truly terrifying when you have the DOJ so corrupt and so in your pocket and you have changed language and meanings of words. You start going down this. Let me just ask you. If we really believe the other side, that every voter on the other side is a not just a menace, but a danger to us, our family and everything we believe in. Can we go back and live door to door next to each other? Not without some reeducation or some eliminations, I would contest. This is so dangerous what is happening. We have to come back and appeal to each other on the things that brought us here and together in the first place. The Bill of Rights. Do you believe in the individual? And that is that's what you know, we complain all the time about people who don't take their jobs in Washington seriously. Today, it's our job to go in and vote and change the way this country or encourage it to keep going if that's way people want to do it. But it's your job to vote. Yeah. Wow. That's the whole thing is just so cynical and dark. It's Election Day, and that is a day of empowerment. Glenn Beck, what a pleasure. Good to see you, neighbor. Always. Yeah, we'll see you uh, tonight. I think you're on my uh, live coverage yeah. tonight. So we'll yep, see you then. I am. I'm looking forward to God it. God bless you. Thank and you. And don't forget, folks, you can find The Megan Kelly Show live right after Glenn Beck's show uh, on Sirius XM Triumph Channel 111 every weekday at noon east and the full video show and clips by subscribing to our YouTube channel. That's how you can watch us tonight, too. YouTube.com slash Megan Kelly. If you prefer an audio podcast, follow, download on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, etc. And there you will see our full archives. And by the way, today is a good day to also download Dedicated with Doug Brunt. Doug Brunt is an amazing New York Times bestseller. Uh, He's a novelist. He's a writer. He also happens to be married to yours truly. And he's got a great new podcast out wherever you get your podcasts, where he interviews really well-known authors, including today's offering, which is Jess Walter, who wrote Beautiful Ruins and many other great um, books. So you will check it out. You will love it. You will see Lee Child on there and many other names you will know as the weeks go by. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. It is election day, but we are taking a quick break from politics to bring you some breaking news, breaking right here. Joining me now, Alan Dershowitz, professor emeritus at Harvard Law School. Professor, it's good to see you. And uh, you've got some news to break on a subject that we've been following quite a bit. In fact, the country has been following related as an offshoot uh, to the Jeffrey Epstein case in which you played a small role as a lawyer for Jeffrey Epstein at one point years ago. You yourself then got accused by one of Jeffrey Epstein, one of his accusers, Virginia Giuffre, of allegedly having in, inappropriate uh, relations with her at several places. You denied it vehemently. You accused her of defaming you. She she sued you saying that was defamation of her. You sued her saying she had defamed you. Um, I should tell the audience I've already said publicly I do not believe these allegations because I've read a lot of Virginia Giuffre. And while I believe Jeffrey Epstein molested her, her facts about you were all over the board and inconsistent. Uh, In any event, there's breaking news in the case. What is it? Well, I can now announce and I'm very gratified to announce that Virginia Giuffre has agreed to dismiss all charges against me. She now says, and this is her own words, she recognizes that she may have made a mistake in identifying me. And so she's dropped all of the charges. She acknowledges that I have denied these charges from the very beginning. No payments have been made, but all the lawsuits have been charged. The matter is over. She has now acknowledged that she may have made a mistake in recognizing me or, or in identifying me. And um, so I'm very gratified, of course. Wow. So she sa- she's saying in writing, I may have made a mistake about the professor. Yes, she signed a statement that says explicitly um, that she now recognizes she may have made a mistake in identifying Mr. Dershowitz. Wow. And no, and no payments have been made. You're saying that no, nothing, no, no backdoor payments, no insurance payments, no payments at all from anybody on your side or represents you to her. Nothing, nothing um, on either side. And all the lawsuits have now been dropped, including David Boyce's lawsuit uh, against me for defamation. In both cases, I counter sued. So, of course, uh, I'm dropping my counter suits because there's no suit to counter to. So as, as far as I'm concerned, the matter is now uh, over and, and resolved and we can all go on uh, living our lives, me with a completely uh, a, a clean record, hopefully, and, uh, wow. and admission from her that she may have made a mistake. Now, I'm I'm bound not to go beyond the statements we agreed to, but the statements we agreed to are are pretty darn good from my point of view. Well, I, I mean, the audience should know that it's obvious to me just as an attorney, this is as much as she could possibly ever admit in a statement because she's said repeatedly, including under oath, 
something different than this. So you can't come out and be like, I lied. I lied while I was under oath. This is a pretty good statement for you to get as as the defendant in her case. So congratulations to you. Do you this has been on you. This has been weighing on you. I know your fans know it. I hear I listen to your podcast all the time and I love it. Do you feel relieved? Do you feel, you know, liberated, vindicated? What, how do you feel? Well, I feel for my family, particularly uh, relieved. Uh, obviously, this has been a, a burden that she acknowledges. Uh, and uh, I, I, I commend her for, for being able to uh, recognize finally that she may have made uh, a mistake, uh, a, a terrible mistake that, that caused me a lot of grief. But I'm pleased that she's now recognized her mistake and I, I wish her well. Uh, let just her go to take on a step to back. Just to, 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 to take a step back, Professor, because I remember in preparing for our very first like in-depth interview together, when your name was first even thrown into the mix in Virginia Dufresne's world, because, you know, she's she was abused by Jeffrey Epstein. She was mishandled and she was farmed out. She, this is the one who is the Prince Andrew accuser, too. Um, she somebody it was someone else who suggested to her, hey. What about Alan Dershowitz? He's super famous. He's really well respected. Like that, as I understand it, is how is how the Alan Dershowitz name first came to her. Well, I can't comment on anything beyond what I said, but if you read my book, you'll see all of that is laid out there with uh, emails and tape statements and, and all of that. And everybody can decide for themselves. I'm only permitted say that she has now recognized that she made a mistake. And that's that's enough for me to move on with yeah. my life and to uh, uh, allow my family to move on with with their lives as well. So I'm very gratified. Now, I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to hold you. No, that's it. Now, you should allow this burden to be off of your shoulders and you should sell because I know it's I understand when you're a respected, accomplished man such as yourself. This has got to be a terrible, terrible thing to labor under, even though, you know, you've said repeatedly this was not true. People wanted to believe it in large measure because you defended Trump. Right. So the left loved to believe it. So I hope you take this as the relief of burden that it should be. Well, I'm going to continue to go on and do half of my cases pro bono, represent four people, women who have been abused, uh, represent uh, people who've been falsely uh, convicted. I do half of my work I have all through my life pro bono. I've just written my 51st book uh, and I'm working already on my 52nd book. So I'm 83 years old. I want to move on from this uh, accusation. And uh, she acknowledges that I've denied it from the beginning. And she now acknowledges that uh, uh, she recognizes she may have made a mistake. So as far as I'm concerned, the book on this is closed. Mm, good. Let's leave it there. Professor, great to see you on this election day. Thank you for coming on and breaking the news here. Thank you. I'm glad to have an opportunity to tell you about it because you covered the story from the very beginning. So thank you. Well, yes. And the audience should also know that I took a hard look at it with an open mind and was not biased toward or against you in the beginning. And my my objective look at it, having read all the stuff in the Miami Herald, having read your book, having read her accusations was they didn't add up in your case. She did not. She did not. She, it was too inconsistent, too many crazy dates that didn't add up and so on. In any event, I'm glad to see it go away. All the best to you, Alan. You, you too. Wow. All right. You know, sometimes you don't get results like that in the legal system and it's a bummer. Um, but I'm sure that, look, there's a lesson here, I think, for everybody. Fight if you're wrongly accused. 
right? You should fight. And for women who actually may make a mistake in the Me Too movement, whether the mistake is genuine or whether the mistake is listening to some bad people to do something you know is wrong, it's never too late to walk it back. So happy to see that resolved. Okay, let's move on back to the elections. All eyes in Pennsylvania, as we said last hour, and the hugely important Senate race between Dr. Oz and John Fetterman. Here with me today is someone who knows Pennsylvania better than just about anybody, and that is Selena Zito, a reporter for the Washington Examiner and columnist at the New York Post, who's going to update us on everything we know about what's happening today. Welcome back, Selena. So what do we know about the battles? Because there are a lot of headlines today about legal battles around the Pennsylvania vote. Right. Um, so thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I think it was late yesterday, uh, the Fetterman campaign issued a statement saying that they were going to uh, legally challenge the ability to uh, count the mail-in ballots that came in that were either uh, wrongly dated or not dated at all. Something that the Supreme Court just ruled on last week that it is unallowed and unaccepted. They are supposed to be put to the side, and um, and and that's where they stay. Uh, people were notified in local newspapers. Uh, the the information went out everywhere. I mean, there wasn't. It was. It would be impossible to know to not know that you made a mistake and your county has tried to find you, uh, and and so with with the idea that if you if you did it wrong you can come in on election day and and vote and and so that's the only legal challenges we have going on right now i'm going to be optimistic about today i think that this race may be even called late this evening and may be not mm. as close as we predicted or or that was talked about maybe a month ago wow why do you think that uh, I think that Dr. Oz, who many people were skeptical about in the beginning in terms of really putting the work in to earn the voters, but also becoming um, a good uh, a, a politician. I don't mean that in the you know pejorative way. I mean mm -hmm. that in that going out there, doing good retail politics, uh, going in into the areas and listening to voters, doing it when there's not a bunch of press around. Trust me, I was with him. A hundred times across the state, most of the time, I was the only reporter there. Uh, so these things were genuine, um, sort of uh, trying to understand the voter. And he's understand also how to build a coalition. It is it, it, Elections are about a lot of things. It's about movement. It's about motivation. It's brake pedal. It's gas pedal, right? There's all kinds of things that motivate voters. But if you don't build a coalition... If you don't understand it, can, can no matter what party you're in, if it can't be just one, just the base vote, you're not going to win an election that way. Even Donald Trump understood that very well in 2016. I would say that he didn't understand it as well in 2020. Uh, and, and without a coalition, without a variety of different people that may not share a lot of the same um, um, uh, ge geography may not sh all share the same sort of um, values, but do come together um, um, on enough issues that they are going to vote for you. Hmm. Um, I'm I'm surprised to hear your confidence that we might not even need you know a lot of time to count the votes. That it could be a clear victory for Dr. Oz tonight. You're out on a limb, uh, which is exciting to hear any reporter do on the day of the election. But this is yeah. what I was told so far in the early vote in Pennsylvania. 
uh, 1.16 million early votes. 69% of those came from registered Democrats, 21% from registered Republicans, 8% from independents. Not a surprise. The Democrats have typically taken advantage of the mail-in balloting. The Republicans have tended to be day of voters. They don't trust the system. They don't want their votes handled by just anybody. But what do you make of those numbers and what should we make of those numbers? Those numbers should have been higher for Democrats. They should have been in the high 70s to the 80s. Oh, and, okay. And so that that is the um, that is their challenge. Now, I mean, there's always surprises. There's always upsets. But the tra- trajectory and following this 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 election in the past month has been not just about John Fetterman's performance at that debate, but also what he has run on. He has failed to run on any issues. If you go to his um, Twitter feed. It's about memes and and New Jersey, and, and it, there's no there's no depth there. And and if you go to his events, he's like, you know, forget the filibuster. Well, nobody's running on the filibuster. <laughs> People no. are really concerned. I mean, when I filled up my gas tank yesterday, it was four dollars and nineteen cents a gallon. It mm. was eighty nine dollars to fill up my gas tank. That's what people were running on. Those things are big concerns, and and let alone the problem we are facing with diesel. I mean, mm, you. Right. I was on the turnpike about a week ago, and the, there are signs for the gas station on the turnpike, no diesel. Diesel is what makes an agriculture state hum. You need diesel to transport goods. You need diesel on the farms. We've got a huge problem coming, and people understand it because they feel it every day. Mm. On these mail-in ballots, when do they get counted? Because some of the states have been counting the ballots before Election Day and some won't open them until Election Day. And those are the states we expect to lag. Yeah, they they don't open until this evening when polls close. Uh, And that was a veto done by Democrat Governor Tom Wolf to to veto the bill that the state legislature put forth, I think it was last year, to have them counted um, uh, on, you know, election morning or days before. Mm-hmm. So th- mm-hmm. that's why they'll lag behind. I will say here in Western Pennsylvania, Allegheny County does an amazing job of, and a very efficient job in counting their ballots. Philadelphia, not so much. But well, I don't now they're think- saying that's this is what's leading the Democrats to say, beware the the red mirage, the day of vote coming in, favoring Team Red. And then by the time they get around to opening up the mail in box uh, ballots, which favor the, the team blue, um, the red mirage gets erased with real Democrat vote that was just mailed in. And therefore, we don't want to listen to your claims of, you know, election meddling. It was just mail in vote outnumbered day of vote. Right. And, and and I think people have a general understanding of that. But in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, it's been a while since Philadelphia's votes have changed an election. Um, mm. the, the energy and the excitement is west of that. And mm. and and if the if the voters show up in counties like Luzerne, like if you're a nerd and you want to watch what happens tonight, Go on to the Pennsylvania elections um, website. Uh, New York Times also links. They also do um, a pretty good job of updating the uh, the numbers coming in. Watch Luzerne County. Watch Erie County. Westmoreland County. Washington County. Bucks County. That's where this. Uh, if there if there is an elevated turnout in those counties, 
you, it doesn't matter what happens in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. That's what I understood about, about 2016 with Trump. I never looked at those two cities. Those two cities didn't matter. What may need to ma- what mattered was those counties having an elevated turnout. 2,000 more votes in 2016 in, in each of those counties over the 2012 numbers for Mitt Romney. People forget that Barack Obama won Pennsylvania by almost 11 percentage points in, in 2008. That dropped down to just under five percentage points in 2000 and, and, and 2012. So, so there was movement there. Pennsylvania became 0.4% more conservative. So all Trump needed to do in 2016 was outperform 10 counties by 2,000 votes. And those are the counties I'm going to be watching this evening. Okay, got it. Now, let's talk about uh, the president and his messaging going into this race uh, and his, I don't know if we're going to call it a gaffe. I'll let the audience decide on coal. Um, He came out on Friday uh, and he was giving a speech in California. It seemed really clear what his message was. The White House is desperately trying to walk it back, suggesting it wasn't clear and he didn't hear well. And I'll get to all the walkbacks. But here is the I think what what they would recognize was the original sin in SOT 9 on Friday. I was in Massachusetts about a month ago on the site of the largest old coal plant in America. Guess what? It costs them too much money. They can't count. No one's building new coal plants because they can't rely on it even if they have all the coal guaranteed for the rest of the existence of the plan. So it's going to become a wind generation. And all they're doing is going to save them a hell of a lot of money and using the same transmission line they transmitted the coal-fired electric on. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America. Wait, what? (laughs) We are? What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now, and I'll give give you the floor in one sec, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre comes out and tries to explain it away. Of course, reading, as she always does uh, from her notes, her pre-prepared notes, here's her explanation. Some of you were there. It was uh, it was loud and, and hard uh, to hear, I think, or maybe not uh, exactly what uh, what uh, what was being said, but I currently don't want to get into punditry from here and, and why we did it or do it uh, or, you know, paid or do it, did it on TV. But I spoke to, to this over the weekend. The president words, we believe, were twisted. Um, and uh, we were very clear about that. And anyone who knows Joe Biden knows he comes from a coal uh, a coal country from Scranton, Pennsylvania. His great-grandfather was a, a mining engineer, as you all know. President Biden knows that the men and women of coal country built this nation, and he has spent his presidency fighting for coal communities so that they, too, uh, can benefit from the energy from the energy transition we're in right now. Again, the reason why we put out uh, that statement to your, you, you asked me about the genesis, uh, we believe his words were twisted, and we just wanted to make sure there was some clarity. They were twisted. So and lastly, uh, Joe Manchin from another coal state, West Virginia, comes out and calls these comments offensive and disgusting, outrageous, divorced from reality, and says comments like these are the reason the American people are losing trust in President Biden. And they instead believe he doesn't understand the need to have an all in energy policy that would keep our nation totally energy independent and secure. Uh, What do you make of this and how does it play electorally? 
plays electorally terribly. I had a piece today in the Washington Examiner. People can check it out at selenazito.com. But I laid out the four images that I believe were the each turning point in this election. And it began when I went to South Dakota right after President um, Biden um, signed those executive orders uh, on on the Keystone Pipeline and looking in the faces of, of the people that work on the pipelines, but also in the businesses that support it in motels and, and barbershops and mechanic shops. And then the next image I would I would point to was what happened on the end of August in 2021 last year. And I was driving across the country and I, I this this image gutted me. It was in Missouri. It was in front of the old Jackson County Courthouse. And there you saw 13 chairs with with the um, with the, the flags running at half staff. And, mm-hmm. and this is mourning that um, that botched uh, attempt by the Biden administration um, in terms of how they removed our troops from Afghanistan. And then mm-hmm. I looked at um, that image almost exactly a year later, where President Biden is standing at Independence Hall. He's flanked by two um, Marines. And it was just this sort of dark and red image. But the words that he used in terms of, uh, you know, of what Trump supporters are, who Trump supporters are, even if you weren't Trump supporter, your family member is a fascist, is a mega, mega, ultra. I, I can't even come up with all the adjectives that mm-hmm. they use. And I think the final image of this election to me and what's, what what reminded me what people vote on was that Michael McGuire in Kentucky. And I think all of us or most of us have seen that image of that father, the coal miner. He's still covered in dirt, but yet he made he made sure that he got to take to his, his four-year-old son to that basketball game in Kentucky. And while all of a lot of us in this country don't work with our hands, we do know that our families come from that tradition and we associate with that. And those are the people that have been demonized for the past two years. So if you want all that, I just all that imagery is what what tells me. And then you top it off with those remarks about coal, about closing coal pants down. And I just think that the Democrats have wildly not understand why they were given power in in Washington. Biden has not understood that. And voters are going to let them know loud and clear why they they are firing a lot of them. Mm. I mean, it's loud and clear. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America. It they're not that's not twisted and they weren't hard to hear. I think Americans heard it loud and clear. Selena Zito. All right, we'll talk after. We'll talk after today okay. or tomorrow, whenever we're going to find out. And uh, we'll figure out what happened and why. Always a pleasure, my friend. Okay, have a great day. You too. Coming up, we're digging into the rest of the races with Matt Continetti and Doug Schoen. We've got both sides of the aisle represented. Plus, what happens if and when the GOP takes over Congress? Hmm? Don't go away. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. As of today, nearly 70% of the country believes we're on the wrong track. According to the Real Clear Politics average of all polls, 70%. That's devastating. That's the problem for the Democrats today. And a majority disapproves of the president's handling of the economy, foreign policy, immigration, inflation, crime, and abortion. So what's going to happen tonight? Doug Schoen is a Democratic pollster and consultant. Matthew Continetti is the founding editor of the Washington Free Beacon and a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. All right, guys. So that's the question, right? What is going to happen tonight? Before I get you to answer that, uh, I just want to give you a little news that broke this morning on polling stations and problems in voting. This this is not good. Um, here's just an example. Tom Bevan, he's realclearpolitics.com, uh, talks about his parents who live in Mesa. They they uh, just heard they went to two different locations. They were unable to vote because the machines were not working. First location had 117 people in line. Second one had over 90 waiting to vote, uh, says the vast majority of Republicans vote on Election Day. So this will disproportionately affect the GOP. He was reacting to two other tweets in which somebody noted there were long lines in Anthem, Arizona, with poll workers explaining that the Maricopa County machines are not working. Another guy, a pollster, Rich Barris, says this started with a single location, then a few. Now it's sounding as as if this is widespread and very serious. Voting problems in Arizona is the bottom line. In Maricopa County, according to a Washington Post reporter, about 10% of the polling places are experiencing problems with tabulators. One machine became operative after it was clean. Voters can still place their ballots in a slot in a locked container. They will be counted at the at the downtown tabulation center tonight. Some similar problems reported in New Jersey as well. So is this par for the course? This always happens. We're just paying attention to it now because everybody's been, you know, hinky about election integrity. Or does this concern you? Matt, I'll start with you. Uh, I think it's slightly concerning, and I hope uh, that the Arizona officials get a handle on it. Um, I mean, the election day has just started there, so hopefully they can some some time. But I think, Megan, the larger point is, you know, Brazil had a huge election uh, recently. Israel had a big election, smaller population, of course. And both countries were able to get the results quickly, I mean, that night. And it continues to be an embarrassment to the United States, I think, that some of the local administration of our voting practices are so out of whack that there are these Mm. delays and bugs. They need to be fixed and they can be fixed. That's what happened in Florida after 2000. Florida will be one of the earliest states to report all all of their results this evening. That's the way it should be. I've got some more depressing news for you. Someone won the two billion dollar Powerball jackpot and it wasn't us. (laughs) Somebody in California, (laughs) one person, a single ticket sold in California wins the two billion (gasps) dollar Powerball jackpot. That's so exciting. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Okay, sorry. Back to us and our lame lives. Um, So, Doug, showing you're a lifelong Democrat. You've worked on campaigns. What are you predicting today? Uh, what's going to happen? I, I'm predicting, notwithstanding my party history and heritage, that the Republicans win the House with a 30 to 35 seat 
uh, majority, and they win the Senate with probably 51, 52 seats. So I, I see, for the reasons you suggested at the outset, Megan, given the low approval ratings of the Biden administration across a range of issues combined with the sense the country's off on the wrong track, it's going to be a decisive and clear Republican victory. That's my prediction. Let me drill down with you on that for a minute, because um, Amy Walter of Cook Political uh, Report had a piece out today saying, you know, we can have three scenarios. We could have the tsunami. We could have just sort of a wavy or we could have a, a red ripple, you know, like yep. for in, in descending order in terms of how many red votes and red states and so on. And her classic tsunami election said, OK, you'd get 30 House seats like you just said, and the GOP would get three to four Senate seats. So a little lower than you said. She said, here's what's ne- what needs to happen for us to see that Dem voters have to be less motivated than Republicans uh, and Republicans have to turn out at much higher levels. And then independent voters have to break decisively toward the GOP by 12 to 15 points. So in your scenario, if you have enough Republican motivation and independence siding with Republicans to drive up a 30 net House seats for Republicans. Why wouldn't that translate to more three, four Senate seats for the Republicans? I think it will. And, you know, the the only reason not, Megan, is and the polling is showing what you were just suggesting and Amy Walter was suggesting there needed to be for somewhere between a red wave and a so-called red tsunami, um, the polls polling out suggests that. But the only thing that countervails that is the Senate race polling is all very, very close. Now, the trends are all with the Republicans, but we're talking about a point or two a week and the leads are within the margin of error. So it's certainly theoretically possible that I could be overstating the degree of Republican. Well, and what about what about Doug uh, enthusiasm on that point that she raises? The latest NBC poll shows that the Democratic enthusiasm has matched the GOP enthusiasm. That's not what we saw prior to other red wave midterm elections. There was a considerable gap. Plenty of other polls, including polls that I've done showing that Republican enthusiasm is far in excess of democratic enthusiasm. So you think and it's on an, these an outlier? Questions, given the challenges with polls, I'm skeptical of using any one poll to be decisive or determinative. Mm, okay. Matthew, what do you think? Um, that was That's her tsunami version. 30 seats, as Doug's also predicting, and three to four Senate seats go red. Uh, her middle, she calls it a wavy election, not a tsunami, not a ripple, but wavy, is... Uh, GOP gains in the House in the 20s. And just as a reminder for our audience, they only need a net of six to take control in the House. Um, she says uh, 20s in the 20s and a likely one seat gain in the Senate, which, again, would be enough for control of the Senate. What do you think? Well, um, I, I think Doug is uh, about right. I don't think there's much disagreement there. Uh, I, I'd say 20 to 30 seats, maybe more uh, in the House uh, and then uh, three to four pickups in the Senate. Uh, it's going to be a good night for Republicans, Megan. It might be, as uh, Selena Zito suggested on your program earlier, uh, an earlier night than we expect. I mean, as you just said, mm-hmm. since there, you only need to net six seats for the Republican takeover of the House, it's possible that the Republicans will have been uh, called uh, the House victors you know, by 10 o'clock because some, oh, many right. of these seats in Virginia or New York, or, there are seats that are competitive in Connecticut 
uh, in New Jersey. I mean, they can they can flip pretty quick. Um, and so I think we'll know the House result pretty soon. And then, you know, the early indicators will be, um, does Herschel Walker uh, emerge strong in Georgia? Does uh, Ted Budd in North Carolina have a pretty decisive victory? Um, how is it looking in Pennsylvania? I mean, obviously, we're going to have to wait for the cities, even if they don't determine the final result. But if it's a strong out of the gate um, uh, effort for, for Oz, then I think you'll have a pretty good sense of where the Senate will be, even by the eleven o'clock news. So I, I think I think it will be a it will be a big Republican victory and a and a decisive one as well. All right, let me run this by you, Doug. Um, my old pal Simon Rosenberg, trying to find his piece. Um, yeah, I'll find it. Right? I have so much paper. It's like, God. Okay, hold on. It's at the end of my packet here. My great producer Kelly gave it to me. Um, Simon Rosenberg, old pal from Fox News, has he feels good. He's excited. He's a Dem and uh, he's at a Dem think tank in D.C. And he said on Saturday, D's continue to crush it in the early vote. The nonpartisan Senate polls are encouraging. He says Nevada in particular, early vote got much more D last night. Red wave may come, but not here yet. He goes on Um, again, looking at Senate averages of only nonpartisan independent polls. Shows no red waves, no wave. D's favored to win the Senate still. Early vote data continues to be incredibly encouraging for Democrats across the country. It's at the upper end of what was possible. Continuation of D over performance in the House races and Kansas. That vote was a while back. And it got a whole lot better again in Nevada last night. So do you agree with that? Uh, you know, I, I think we had similar reports, Megan in 2020 uh, about the early vote, the mail-in vote for Joe Biden. And if you looked at the polls and you looked at the ultimate results, Donald Trump and the Republicans exceeded the final polls by three to five points across the board. So I don't draw necessarily the same conclusions Simon does. Now, he could be right. Here in New York, where I am today, uh, the early vote is very encouraging for Kathy Hochul, the uh, governor who's running against Lee Zeldin. But I don't believe that given our voting system and given that most Republicans vote on Election Day, I don't believe that it is determinative, perhaps in the way that Simon is suggesting. Mm. On the subject of Kathy Hochul, uh, we talked in our first hour about this, but I didn't play the sound. She, she has decided, I think, just to gaslight the, the New York state voters, Matthew. She's she's going into Election Day saying all this messaging about crime is a scare tactic by the GOP. Here she is. He has been hyperventilating, trying to scare people for months. And New Yorkers are onto it. All the legitimate media organizations called him out for what he is doing, fear-mongering. And it's not just here in New York. That is been the Republican playbook all across this country. All you need to know is that the Democratic states are safer than the Republican states. Check out the facts. Democratic states are safer than Republican states. Check out the facts. We actually did a fact check on that when it was claimed by somebody else with Raphael Mangal of um, Manhattan Institute. But uh, it's not true. Uh, it's it's the blue cities and the red states that are 
that are making that the case, the blue cities run by blue mayors. But um, what do you make of this tactic of just it's not true? Don't don't believe it. Is is that for me, Megan? No, that's for Matthew. Well, oh, sure. Um, OK. OK, I'll take I'll take a stab at it first. Sure. Uh, Governor Hochul's a case study in denial. I mean, it might be a winning strategy to get out her base. And the Democratic base is large enough in New York that uh, that would definitely give her an advantage against her challenger, uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin. But uh, it just seems to me to be a, 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 a crazy tactic. I mean, the independence in New- throughout New York, especially anyone who's been to the city recently, has seen its decline. I mean, it's not a pretty picture. Um, the headlines about subway killings uh, seem to be every single day. So for her to kind of try to uh, turn into this um, uh, sentiment against crime and this desire for public safety uh, seems to me to be ridiculous. Um, and maybe it will work uh, just because of the size of the Democratic population in New York. But I think it's going to be a pretty close election in New York. Do you think so, too, Doug? I think it'll be close. I for the reasons uh, Matthew suggests, I think Hochul has a clear advantage. But what I would say, and I agree with him on this too, why wouldn't any rational person, Democrat or Republican, acknowledge people's fears about crime and say we're trying to redouble our efforts to reassure the public, to provide more law enforcement, and in the case of New York, get rid of cashless bail and liberal criminal justice policies that certainly seem to the electorate to be facilitating uh, more uh, violent crime. What I know you've been critical of your own party on messaging and why they're not they're not talking about the things that we know are resonating with voters. They do care about inflation and the economy and the border and crime. And yet you don't hear those things discussed. Um, You know, I I I do wonder whether even talking about those things would have saved them with a president who's got an approval rating hovering around 40. You know, like the the public has turned on the top Democrat. And I I wonder how much they could have distanced themselves from him with better messaging. What do you think? It's a fair question. And and, and I've privately had the same question in my mind. But for the reasons that Simon Rosenberg suggests in those close Senate and close House races, I think they would have done better acknowledging people's fears of crime and pain due to inflation rather than just talking about things like abortion. Hmm. Matthew, what do you make of it? You know, there's been a lot of talk about how the the Republicans ran the wrong candidates. They went to mega maga (laughs) and put and ran folks like uh, J.D. Vance or Blake Masters or even Carrie Lake. Um, They seem to be doing pretty well. And I I'm just not sure that the, the the all the blame that was heaped on those candidates early on is panning out on this election day. They look pretty good in these polls. Well, um, they do. Uh, now, some of the candidates have performed less well than uh, a more conventional Republican might have. Um, I think of candidate masters in Arizona in particular. But at the same time, he could very well win and it could be a good night for Republicans across the board. Uh, no matter uh, their political experience or um, statements they've made on the campaign. A lot of the people uh, expected, myself included, early on that Republicans might have a candidate problem. But it actually, Megan, seems to me to have turned out to be the Democrats who have a candidate problem. I mean, take uh, the Democratic nominee for governor in Arizona, Katie Hobbs. 
she has refused to debate Carrie Lake. And Lake has very cleverly turned that into uh, a, a, an argument for her election. Um, if you think of uh, Governor Hochul, who we were just talking about, another candidate, incumbent Democrat, never elected, by the way, uh, she kind of fell into the job. I mean, she has just kind of had, had a very um, clumsy uh, campaign for, for election. So I think um, the candidate quality can work both ways. And we've seen in some of these races where the um, Democrats are just not as strong uh, as some of the Republicans are. There are a few Democratic House members, uh, Abigail Spanberger, Spanberger, Alyssa Slotkin, Jared Golden in Maine, who you know are quality candidates. They might be able to tough out the challenges. But the, the truth is, it does kind of start from the top. And that is that the weakest candidates uh, on the Democratic side are not up for election. And that's President Biden and Vice President Harris. And the fact that they're ending their campaigns in places like Maryland or, or New York or Illinois, I think to me says, um, speaks volumes about the state of the Democratic Party headed into election mm-hmm. day. What are you going to be looking at tonight, Doug? Like, what are, what are your early bellwethers to figure out tsunami, wave, ripple, or nothing? You know, I, th- I think Matt had it right earlier. I think we'll see in Georgia with Herschel Walker how well or badly he does and the gubernatorial race as well between Kemp and Stacey Abrams, but also some of these blue state house races. There's a lot of polling. Um, we don't know really how accurate suggesting that in states like Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, that there's a very real chance of Republican breakthroughs. There are four or five seats here in New York that are at risk. And if the Republicans show strength there, I think we could see the tsunami type results that Amy Walter and you were alluding to. One thing the Democrats were praying for yesterday, openly praying to God for was that Trump would announce his presidential run. Um, People on the far left, like Oberman, were like, please, please help your party snatch defeat from the jaws of victory by announcing tonight. He didn't do it, but he did announce that he's going to make an announcement on November 15th. Uh, Matt, what do you make of Trump sort of teasing that the big announcement is coming back in the heads of Democrats who may not love him? but maybe getting ready to vote Republican, right? Like I know a, a fair amount of those Democrats who he's too much for them, but they are going to vote red today. Yeah, I do think it was a good move by uh, Trump not to announce yesterday. It was an example of him, I think, thinking in terms of the party rather than uh, himself. Um, but uh, he's definitely going to try to claim credit um, for some of the Republican victories tonight. And uh, I think he'll be uh, effective in doing that, especially if some of these Senate candidates that he endorsed and really was the definitive figure in getting them the nomination um, sail through. So it will very quickly, I think, turn from the headlines coming out of tonight, which will be about some of the new stars in the Republican Party, which will include a a reelected Governor uh, Ron DeSantis of Florida to next week. Trump will try to take the spotlight back and um, make it about him and his his reelection in 2024. But I would say, too, that 2024 is a long time, a long time from now and a lot's going to happen. So um, I, I understand why Trump would want to announce early, I mean, to kind of deter other people from entering the field, possibly deter 
the Justice Department from making an indictment uh, on the documents. Uh, but at the same time, to, for Trump to simply announce, he, uh, there's going to be some lag time, I think, uh, before a campaign uh, really starts where he might he might be somewhat vulnerable. Mm. You know, Doug, what typically gets going in like the, the following spring, uh, they all start announcing one by one. And then the following summer, you're it's on with debates. That's how it was. It's always always been. Um, the thing about Trump, though, Doug, is he's changed this electorate. If a lot of these Republicans who are looking at possible victories in these more moderate cities can thank him for bringing way more Hispanics into the Republican Party than wherever they are, the, the shoring up of the the working class, not just white working class, but just the working class in these cities where they weren't they weren't voting at all. And if they were voting, they were voting for Dems. I mean, that is that is something Trump can rightly take credit for. And it's a huge dynamic in these races today. You're undeniably correct, Megan, and that is precisely something that I am sure we will hear from Trump many times, including but not limited (laughs) to his announcement uh, on November 15th. But the reason he's doing it is he's trying, I think, as um, Matthew suggested correctly, to block the field, but particularly and specifically block Ron DeSantis. DeSantis is going to win a big, potentially double-digit majority tonight. And there will be a lot of energy among Republicans, particularly the donor class, who don't want to deal with Trump, notwithstanding how he has changed the Republican Party and the electorate, and will be encouraging DeSantis. And Trump is trying to discourage DeSantis and the donor class by this early announcement. But will the Democrats listen if if things go this way? And, you know, we should know there is a possibility it could not go the GOP's way. Can't see how that happens in the House, but certainly it could happen in the Senate. Um, mm-hmm. But if it goes this way, red, red wave of some sort, do the Democrats stop and say, OK, we did spend too much. Defund the police and no bail are ridiculous policies. We are too woke, as the third way introspective poll showed. We're, they think we're too woke, we're too preachy, and we're out of step. They don't like they believe we're going to spend more on education. They like that. But they think we're doing the wrong things once we get the kids in the schools. Like, will there be a come to Jesus within the Dem party? Uh, Megan, and I'll, I'll answer this quickly. I'll be curious uh, what Matt has to say. I, I was part of the effort to recast the Democratic Party after the tsunami that was 1994. The president then, Bill Clinton, had a clear and really strong vision of how to recast the party then. I have no sense at all that um, Joe Biden and the people around him will do a repositioning. I worry that the left is going to call for more decisive and more compelling redistributive policies, open borders, a foreign policy that is less internationalist. That's what I think we're going to get. I hope I'm wrong. I suspect I'm right. Matt, what do you think? Well, I think it's important to remember, as Doug points out, that for President Clinton, uh, it was almost a reversion to the mean in the sense that he was he was a Southern Democrat. You know, these he understood why uh, the concerns of uh, voters in Arkansas uh, who were flipping from the Democratic to the Republican Party. And he had run for years as a different kind of Democrat. 
And so the Republican Revolution in 1994 almost liberated Clinton to kind of get back to his uh, original political identity, uh, or at least the political identity of most of the 1980s and early 1990s, and triangulate against the Republicans. We don't have that with Biden, right? I mean, Biden has always tried to be at where the center of the Democratic Party is. He's trying to outdo Obama now. He's, he's, his presidency is all about showing everybody that he has been right all along for 50 years. Look where that's gotten us. And I also think that um, the Democratic Party, if it emerges uh, from election night uh, in the way that we've been forecasting, it will be smaller and it will be much more liberal. And so mm-hmm. this 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 new Democratic caucus will be pushing Biden to the left. I do expect maybe Megan there to be calls for Biden to say that he will only serve one term to start. There is a good tomorrow. point because the people who are in jeopardy right now are the moderate Dems, the the hardcore liberal Dems. AOC, she's not in any jeopardy. You know, like their base is their base and they're going to be reelected quickly before we go, because I know you did a piece on this, Matthew. Uh, what investigations are we likely to see from the GOP Congress we expect to come in? Well, I think the first will be about the handling of the border and Secretary Mayorkas, DHS. But then, of course, there's going to be a whole lot about Hunter's laptop and the Biden family business. And I expect us to spend a lot of next year on those subjects. Mm-hmm. Fauci, COVID origins, and um, yes, that too. possibly, um, yeah, like you point out, the uh, the border and what's happened down there. It's going to be interesting. Doug and Matthew, thank you so much for your expertise. Thank you, Megan. Matthew, thank a great you. pleasure. Thanks, and Doug. We'll know soon. We will be live on SiriusXM Triumph channel starting at nine, as well as on YouTube.com slash Megyn Kelly. Go ahead there and subscribe now if you haven't already. We're going to have a cast of all stars from Larry Elder to Dennis Prager to Barry Weiss. We're going to have Tom Bevan. We're going to have Jim Garrity. We're going to have Camille Foster. We're going to have David Sachs. So many great guests to have you covered from all angles. Please join us. It's going to be super fun. I can't wait, actually. And we'll get results. Yay. See you later. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 